Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Net Ministries podcast. We are affectionately calling the WAPO Sessions. For the next three weeks of Advent, we're going to release a podcast, one podcast a week, that was shot during our time of fall training at Camp WAPO. If you're not that familiar with NET, every fall we take all of our missionaries out to Camp WAPO for a two-week time of training. And what's so cool about these WAPO sessions is that it comes at a time of the year that's really so beautiful, that's just so full of conversion for our NET team members. It's also a really busy time for our NET staff. And so before we get started, I just want to say uh, a quick word of thanks to the marketing team and to Dan Driver who stayed up late working and then got up really early to shoot these episodes. So the first one is going to be with a priest that came and visited us during fall training. His name is Father Frankie Mulgrew. Uh, Father Frankie was also a comedian in England uh, named Frankie Doodle. And so I'm assuming that Dan and him uh, get into that. And so here we go. Let's jump right into our first podcast with Father Frankie. Have you been to America before? I've been to America, yes, on a number of occasions, actually. Have you been so, to the Midwest? Uh, uh, Midwest. No, I haven't been to the Midwest, no. Okay. Yeah, but Have what a lovely place it is. It is beautiful. Yeah. Fantastic. There's fish jumping. In, there's literally a fish just jumping right now. Um, have fish got to jump. Mm, got to swim. <laughs> <laughs> have you been attacked yet by the mosquitoes that are here? Have I been attacked by mosquitoes? Uh, no, not yet, but um, you know, I'm just keeping a an eye on it I don't yeah I'm not sure if they're attracted to, to black so much especially in the darkness you're kind of like you, you're incognito they can't recognize you you know you just <laughs> disappear so uh, you don't wear luminous colors around mosquitoes just keep it keep it simple well I'm going to warn you because like yes. the ones in England they're like tiny they're what we call what do we call them midges we call them midges yeah and they're tiny and you can't feel their bites but later okay. on you start itching and you're like ah oh, midges here I have a like, river a bit like that, sorry. But yeah, they're like well, giant birds. In yes. fact, they make a noise similar to that one. Yeah, yeah, simply. And yeah. when they land on you and they bite you, you can feel it. Wow. And when I first got bitten by one here, I thought I was going to die. Okay. Because <laughs> the swelling on this thing was massive. Okay. Um, and they love the English blood. So I'm just warning you right now because okay. Camp Wapo, which is where we're at right now, as beautiful as it is, there's Scott. lots of mosquitoes. Okay, well, I'm half Irish, so maybe they won't that want that half. Yeah, maybe they, I might just get little half bites. Yeah, they might. Yeah, maybe like they the might Irish. be halfway through. My skin is like, wait a second, this guy's he's Irish. I can taste Irish. But forget it, guys. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Let's get out. It's not, what we, it's not what we had in mind. We thought it was totally English. <laughs> yeah, like wine tasting. My skin's going around like wine tasting. <laughs> English blood. <laughs> Irish blood. What are you kidding me? Okay, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Anyway, good well, to see you, Dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, we never <laughs> met in England, but you know my brother, which is really cool. I do know your brother. Yeah, yeah I went. I went to Oz in France for um, places Saint John Vianney. Yeah. And uh, fantastic couple of days. That's awesome. And, the, and there's hardly anything in Oz. It's just this very small town, because that was the whole point of Saint John Vianney. Is that basically, it's almost like he'd been um, shunned a bit. Really, it's almost like they thought he was undereducated and been sent to our, this place out in the outskirts. And hence, thousands came to see him each year for confession. But uh, as they say in Oz, it's got this great gimmick. There's this French priest that kept going around going, when you come to Oz, it's my French accent. Mm -hmm. When you come to Oz, there is nothing to see, only one man to meet. 
<laughs> so I like see only one man to meet. So so uh I love that. <laughs> and you were there with my brother and now you're here in the yes. US again, but this time oh. with Net Ministries, Net um, Ministries during our training. Absolutely. Um yeah. Which is great. That bird just really wants to get involved, doesn't he? It this is. Interview. I don't know if they can hear the bird. But just keep going. Is he like behind us going? Is he just like? He's trying to steal the show. Yeah. Okay. Just he's just totally in it. Yeah. Maybe he's just disagreeing with things I'm saying. Yeah. He's like, you're lying. Stop it. Get him off. You're lying. You went to the Midwest before. You don't remember. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. As you were. Yeah. No. I mean, so you're here. Uh, no, I mean, I, I actually don't know the story. He's but... actually gone, though. It's like he knew we were talking about him. Yeah, like he did. Yeah, he couldn't he... be a of attention. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. sorry as you were. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Just being passive-aggressive, so. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're here with uh, with us now, Annette. Yes. How come? What what brought you here? I mean, you're, you're going to be here for five weeks with us during our training when we're training 180 missionaries. Yes. Um, And yet you've never done net yourself. No. Um but you're you're here what's what's the story just to say that? quickly a little fact where in the background there's actually a net in the it's just it's just net wherever you go there's a little net in the actual yeah. the lake <laughs> so which is great so first time i've actually done an interview we might need a lifeguard at some point anyway so um <laughs> uh, it was basically uh father john paul cfr yeah and he told me about net about 17 years ago i was doing a mission um i used to be in show business and i got asked to do a mission in a nearby secondary school and he said, would I, would I get, you know, um, I contacted him and said, I just want some advice, some inspiration. And he said, you want to speak to the guys at NET? And he put me in touch with a gentleman called Joe Rocher, yeah. who does for Lifeline. And uh, that's how I kind of first knew about NET, really. But over the years, I've just kind of known about the great work that they've done, really. So I'm on a mini sabbatical right now. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, um, I went to the Holy Land to do a scripture course, which was epic. And, uh, and now I'm out here in America, which is fantastic because I wanted to do the to do the training. Really, it's like learning from the best. Really, and uh, Net is such a, a fantastic sort of uh, reputation for the fantastic great work that they do in youth ministry. And I've only been here just a week, isn't it? It's a week, last Monday to Monday. Yeah. And I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I've just seen within that week, you know, the, the epic, fantastic work uh, that Net does. So I'm just uh, I'm having uh, I'm having a fantastic time, really. Yeah. So great. It's great to have you here. Um, Thanks, to- Dan. Two things that you said that really yes. sound cool. One, yes. that you were in show business. Is, is that like a priestly order of showbiz priests that um, are on TV <laughs> a lot? Or was that pre-priesthood? And two, you said you did a scripture course in the Holy Land. Yes. Both of those things sound like we could have an entire podcast on them themselves. I mean, we don't have time yeah. for that. But, I mean, just sure. tell me a little bit about um, those two things. Okay. So when I say show business, um, yeah, that was my background, basically. I grew up in a, in a, in a family um, that was basically traditional Catholic, um, but also uh, show business, full of show business. You know, it, was, it was a family where I grew up, and it's it totally show business and totally Catholic. So if I hadn't gone to a priesthood, it would have been riveted on. One second, one second. Yeah. I think show business is more of a British kind of term. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if it translates exactly the same. So tell me what you mean by show business. What I mean by show business. Okay. So the entertainment industry, basically. So I grew up and my dad was a, a comedian back in the UK. Um, and a famous comedian back in the UK. And so that was kind of my background, basically. And so we would, growing up, we would like be on the road uh, with my dad. And my dad was Catholic and mum was uh, a Mormon. 
um, uh, growing up, basically. But they weren't sure what to kind of, you know, what we should be baptised, really. And it was when I was about 13 years of age, they kind of decided, made a decision that it was up to us now what we mm. wanted to be uh, uh, baptised. And so, I mean, in subsequent years, actually, my mum went to Lourdes and had to be conversion, actually became Catholic. But at that point, at 13 years of age, we, we got baptised, uh, me and my siblings. And then it was around about 18, really, um, my conversion started happening, really. So I suffered a bit with uh, with depression through OCD. And for those that are watching that aren't familiar with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, it basically means you can't leave a place without making sure that the windows are shut, the doors are closed, and the drawers are in. Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but try mm. checking out of a hotel. Mm. So um, so I had OCD, I had depression, and I was just like present, praying for like a resolution, basically, if God, God was there, we get into my situation. And this young priest walked into my life one day and I shared with him about like, my depression. And he said, you should come to confession. And I was like, ah, oh, I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. He said, yeah. He said, I really think you experienced God's grace in that. And he said, but before we do that, he said, I think you should have been anointing of a sick. He said, because this is like a form of sickness. Wow. So like, I didn't really know quite know what being anointing of a sick was basically because I, you know, uh, as I said, I wasn't baptized, I was 13. So he brought me into the church and he explained a bit about it and he anointed me. And when he anointed my head and my hands, um, I just felt like this blanket of heat come over me. And uh, I didn't know it then, but I knew it now. And, you know, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he brings me back into the presbytery and he says, well, look, you know, we, um, I really want you to come to confession because I think you'll experience God's healing in confession. And I thought, okay. And uh, I didn't know it then, but certainly know it now. Ended up being the best decision I ever made in our life, my, my life. You know, I think that's, you know, um, one of the things confession is that it's such a beautiful thing, thing really. And the devil can almost like distract us from, ever, from going, basically. Um, saying, oh, well, you know, what are you going to share? What are you going to say? You know, that's never been confessed before. That's, you know, look at you. You know, the devil just wants to like beat us up, really, with lies. And what confession does, it just like, it just casts away all that lies, takes away the devil's power. And so I went to confession this day, and I thought, I'm doing it, I'm doing it right. I'm getting rid of everything that's on my heart. And of course, we have confession because of, you know, um, uh, Jesus, after his resurrection, breathes in the apostles and says, receive the Holy Spirit, and gives them the authority and the power to forgive sins. Like, that's what a priest is in the Catholic Church, in persona Christi, in the place of Christ. By merit of their ordination, when the bishop lays his hands on them, the soul changes ontologically, which is just a fancy word to say. The soul changes to conform itself to be more like Christ. So whenever a priest carries out ministry, to do so in the person of Christ. So when people go to a priest in confession, it's not the priest, it's Jesus to me. And that was my experience that day, basically. I, I encountered Christ, really. And at the end of this confession, a priest put his hand over my head and said the words of absolution, and I just felt this incredible peace, of, uh, this incredible peace, basically. Almost like this breeze of interior heat come over me, but just the peace was like a peace I hadn't known before, you know? And um, then a short time after then, I got invited in this retreat, and in this retreat, they had Holy Communion, they had Mass, you know? Yeah. And I grew up being told that, you know, Jesus is truly present, uh, in mass, body, blood, soul, and divinity. You know, that for bread and wine, uh, the priest prays over them, you know, says a word to consecration, and it becomes our Lord's body and blood. And I couldn't quite get my head around that. I thought that symbolically, maybe, but at best, really, truly, is that what happens? And I said this simple prayer. I said, Jesus, if that shoe show me, so I'm completely open. And on this day, when I, on this day when I went to receive Holy Communion, I describe it as if you could reach into your chest, uh, pull out your heart, open your heart, grab a whole load of lit candles, place them inside your heart, close your heart, put it back inside. My heart literally felt like it was dancing on fire. And I just knew, like, you know, the promise in John 6, that Jesus said, I am the bread of life, come down from heaven. 
and those that eat this bread will live forever. I knew it was true. I knew it was real in Holy Communion. Wow, that's amazing. When so you were, how long did you struggle with um, OCD and depression? So I'd say, you know, even after then, yeah. there was like a good, you know, maybe five, six years of, you know, there wasn't like an instant, you know, healing for me in that. Yeah. Place. There was like a real struggle. But but what there was, there was in the sacraments, there was uh, just God's love basically waiting for me. Yeah. You know, it you know, it, it was God re- reaffirming me and reassuring me that he hadn't gone anywhere, that in the thick of it, yeah. he's always there as he is in the thick of our pain. He doesn't go anywhere. And in those key moments we really needed him, he was right there infusing mm-hmm. divine life, which mm-hmm. is what the sacraments are. You know, I love that um, when Scott Hahn talks about when Jesus left us uh, physically, he didn't leave us spiritually. So in the ascension, you know, he leaves us physically, but he doesn't leave us spiritually. And so that all these power, uh, all these mercy, all these goodness is is totally present in all the sacraments of the church. Like when Jesus comes mm-hmm. back in his second coming, there won't be a drop more glory than what's already contained in Holy Communion. Yeah, You know, all the power of Christ is right there in, in the confession. Christ is enduring all his mercy and all his love, working for the priest and the sacrament of the sick and the anointing. In every sacrament in the Catholic Church, Christ is just fully there. And that's, you know, there's a, a an Irish priest called Father Kevin uh, Scallon, uh, who uh, went back to the Lord a few months ago, but he used to have this great thing about, he used to talk about how every sacrament is a doorway to Jesus, basically. Every sacrament uh, is a doorway where we encounter Christ yeah. in a very, you know, uh, intimate way. You know, baptism, where we share his life, a confession, where that life is restored if we've lost it, you know, any part of it through sin. You know, in the Eucharist, he comes to us as a bread of life to fill us. You know, in, in all the sacrament, you know, in holy orders, in marriage, you know, an infusion of divine life, of God sharing his love and life with us. Yeah, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Um, uh, so you had this encounter with the Lord through the sacraments, and then um, that kind of touched you in a deep way, letting you know of God's love. What was the journey with your um, OCD and depression after that? Like you, you said, six years. Um, was there counseling available for you in the UK? Um, or was this something that you just kept bringing back to the sacrament and spiritual direction? How did you get through that? I really wanted, uh, my prayer back then basically was that, you know, um, it would be a journey with God really. And I do with God. I, I probably didn't want to go down the, uh, the counseling route, but, um, for those kind of key periods, basically in my life, it was a regular confession. It was seeing the priest regularly, really. Um, and I just got so much grace really from the sacrament of mm-hmm. the Eucharist and the sacrament confession. Like I don't think it's any coincidence that um, before his um, crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus institutes the Eucharist. Hmm. Then immediately after his resurrection, he institutes confession. So I think the two just go, they're so interrelated really. The two mm-hmm. go hand in hand, you know. It's a bit like a plane, an airplane trying to land on a, on a runway. That's the same word over here, is it? Yes. Runway. Okay, good. Okay, you just need to, yeah, it's always good to check in these things. So, um, <laughs> but the airplane can't land if that, um, if it's cluttered, if the runway is cluttered. Yeah. You know, if it's full of uh, rubbish or burnt out cars or uh, skips or just various, you know, things that shouldn't be on that runway, basically, you know, yeah. various forms of rubbish. You know, the plane just can't make a smooth landing, but clear the runway take away, you know, uh, the dumpster or whatever is there that shouldn't be there and the plane can land smoothly. And I think that's exactly the same with confession, you know, make a clear pathway, you know, take away all, all the junk and all the garbage that shouldn't be there, basically, that God wants to release us from so that we've got a clear runway for, like, Jesus to land in Holy Communion and do everything that he wants to do. Yeah. And so, f- basically, it was kind of through those kind of sacraments sure. um, that really helped me. Then a bit, a bit later on, yeah, I did, I did go for um, some kind of counselling, but it was a counsellor who basically just 
you know, was in love with God as well, really, because I didn't want to go to a secular counsellor. Sure. But it was a counsellor who was in love with God. And um, so therefore I could relate everything uh, towards and back okay. towards God. Because I always believed he, he was the source of all this, source of all healing. Sure. And, uh, and he would be there and, he, and he, would, um, he would help me, you know. So you experienced this around 18 is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Was that when you were, were you in showbiz at that time or did showbiz come later? Where, where did that fit into? It? Okay. So, yeah. So I just, I, so I went into the uh, entertainment industry. Basically I left school, at, uh, I left school early, half past one. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I left school early. So I left school at, at uh, uh, 16 years of age. Okay. Cause all I ever had, my dream was just basically to, to be like my dad, basically just to be in the entertainment industry. Mm. And I started off, um, like backstage, uh, working the curtain, I was brilliant. The way I pulled that curtain, you, you know, <laughs> award-winning, uh, award-winning curtain pulling. Uh, I'm sure people sat out front going, "Who, who just pulled that curtain?" That was like the way that curtain. Uh, I anyway, need his autograph. So yeah, <laughs> um, and then I just went front of the stage myself. Really, I started to do some stand-up myself. Really, so I was doing kind of comedy clubs, mm-hmm. uh, holiday parks, um, theatres. Um, so we have a thing in England called pantomime. Uh, which is like a big Christmas show yeah. uh, each year. And so um, for the last two and a half, three years before seminary, before my calling, I'd gone professional. And so I'd, um, for last Christmas before, I'd landed a, um, a a big Christmas show, a big pantomime um, in the London area, in Richmond in London. And there was on like famous sort of um, TV sort of stores and uh, film stores. And I was getting offers for like children's TV but I just had this this niggling in the back of my head almost like a tap dripping that there was more that I could do for God basically and, and uh, I just felt called to priest and I thought I won't know it's my call unless I leave what I'm doing and you know I go into that so it's like you know Helen Keller uh, you know the famous Christian mm-hmm. from over here I love the way she talks about you know life is either one big adventure or it's nothing at all and as we know you know Helen Keller was deaf and blind but she just mm-hmm. trusted that you know when you put your faith in God God can just do miracles, really, just show you great things. So I didn't know, you know, when I first entered seminary, whether that would be my path, whether that's what God wanted in store for me. But I was just open to the fact that, you know, he'd called me this far already. And let's just journey and keep asking him regularly. Is this what Mm -hmm. you want for me? Is this not what you want? And it's uh, seven years down the line. I got myself one of these babies. Wow. Yeah, one of these. Uh, Did that come because there was a priest in the audience one day and he sort yeah. of picked you up and said, you've got talent, sir. I could see you as a priest. Come along to seminary, try that That's, that's basically the seminary process. In America, people don't know, it's a bit like America's Got Talent. And what you do is you come out. <laughs> what would a homily be like? Tell us, sir. Give us 30 seconds. Can yeah. you sing? Yeah, yeah. and then buzz you off sometimes. Well. I mean, sometimes it's tough. No. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, so I went through the seminary process, really. Okay. Um... And uh, which is like a whole kind of year-long process, really. I went through that process, and and, yeah. So that was very much a a place born from your own heart, your own desire. You recognised during your time in showbiz, there's more. I want, I want to give my life as a priest. So what age did you approach seminary? So I think initially, actually, I think it was around about 24, 25. Yeah. uh, I felt the calling, and it's actually a true story. So um, when I felt the calling. I said a prayer to Our Lady, because uh, I just I just love Our Lady, really. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I, I wasn't <laughs> sure what to go with. Did, the, the, in America, like, if, okay. if somebody, like, that's... Okay, the, let's... No. let's or yeah, a high five, but you've got to get, like, good connection. 
That wasn't a good connection. That was a pretty good connection. Okay, let's watch the elbow. Look at the elbow. There it is. Okay. Watch the elbow when you do it. Okay, all right. There we go. So, <laughs> um, I when when I felt the call initially back when I was 24, 25, yeah. I um, I said a prayer to our lady because um, I think. Our Lady's amazing for our time. So much grace is coming, you know, yeah. through her. Um, mm -hmm. I said a prayer to Our Lady. I said, if this is what your son wants, if he wants me to be a priest, mm -hmm. then show me a sign. Send me a sign, and the sign will be just a statue of yourself. Yeah. Now, I logically looked at this, and I thought, that's a good deal for her. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you a good deal. Yeah, I thought, logically, <laughs> her son gets my life, and all she has to produce is one single statue. <laughs> We went to Catholic you, Church. Catholic Church are full of statues. Yeah. All she's going to do, right? Did you just really want a statue? Because if she takes a statue, no priest's going to go, what are you taking, what are you taking that for? <laughs> okay, sorry, it's you. So, so, <laughs> so I thought, what a trade-off. I mean, that's fine. I give my life to so All she's got to do is produce one single statue. Okay. So I, I go through the process when I'm um, 24, 25, and things don't work out for, for you know one reason or another. I think one reason was they were very concerned that I left school at 16 mm -hmm. and I hadn't done further study and it's like well it is massively further study mm -hmm. when you come to seminary so things didn't work out so I feel I'm being called back again at 29 and and okay so I just go through the process go oh. through this process well well sort of 28 29 that kind of year and door after door seems to be opening okay, okay. there seems to be some kind of momentum here yeah so I'm at an event called in Liverpool called the Northern Catholic Conference yeah okay this this sort of um like a, an event to see renewal in the heart of the family and at the end of this conference, which was done in Liverpool, um, this lady came up to me. So it was in a hotel, to give some context, right? So, we, so the organisers, I was one of the organisers, but we had to make it look sort of Catholic, basically. So people volunteered to bring things in, you know, to, to make it look as Catholic as it, as it can for our masses and for our liturgy. And at the end of the, the conference, this lady comes up to me, uh, Josie Barrow, she was called, and um, she pointed to a statue of Our Lady. And she said, uh, do you like that statue up there, Frankie? I said, yeah, Josie, I love it. She said, well, that's my own personal statue of Our Lady. I went, oh, fantastic. She said, um, I brought that, donated to the conference just for this weekend. I went, great. She said, the people ask me for that statue because it's so beautiful. I said, fantastic, Josie. And she looked at me and she went, but I really feel that you should have it. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Love it. <laughs> okay. Put it this way. She didn't have to ask twice. <laughs> so... <laughs> so um, through weeks later, maybe three weeks, three months later, I'm in Manchester seeing my spiritual director, my spiritual father. And he says, before we begin today, he said, uh, I want to show you something. And he brings me into this room. And in this room, is just uh, a table, just one single table. On top of the table, is a statue of Our Lady. And he says, this has been donated to the chaplaincy, the Catholic chaplaincy. And he said, I really feel you should have it. Wow. Well, okay. Are you, that's are you keeping count? Strike two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Take me out of the ball. Okay. So... Um, it comes to the day of my ordination, yeah. And uh, a friend of the family is an Irish singer called uh, Dana. Don't you think is, is known for real work in EWTN and cool. World Youth Days? And her and her husband came to my ordination. She very kindly oh, wow. sang in it. And at the end of the ordination, they presented me with a present. They gave me a little present, and and the present was <laughs> kind of like was it was a kind of like a box like so, sort of long yeah, slender, uh, yeah, yeah, like a box like so, right? And, box. and and shook it, shook it kind of heavy kind of sort of noise in it I was like oh could it be could it be so I opened my lid open my lid take off a wrapping paper open my lid guess what was inside the box uh, a statue it's oh. an Anthony Padua oh okay no no I'm just kidding just kidding no it's our lady it's our lady see I take you to the edge literally take you to the edge I literally take anyway it takes you to the statue of our lady right wow. so 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 the first thing that happens okay yeah. you know and then the, the, the next statue then my ordination statue. okay so true story all that's true true story I'm in Lourdes that year 
sharing that story with a friend of mine from Manchester. And she's like, you know, so I say, you know, but the statue shows up in a second and then the male donation. And then she just turned to me, my friend, and she went, well, that's our lady for you. Yeah. I went, what? She said, that's our lady for you. I said, what do you mean? She said, which well, is not once, not twice, but three times a lady. <laughs> That's a true story. It's all true. It's wow. all true. It's all I love true. It. I love it. I love it. That's great. I just love it. Go on, we're going for a swim. <laughs> I, I do. Can you see the sun? Can you see the sun? Do you know yeah. the, uh, what, what yes. are the odds? Do what? you know that? No, what, what okay. are the odds? So it's that game that you play where you say, what are the odds? And then you dare somebody to do something. Oh, okay. And then somebody else counts down to three. That's what we're and doing now, isn't it? No. If you yeah. both, and then you say a number, both of you, between a range of numbers. And if you oh. both say the same number, then the person who got dead has to do it. Um, so what, I'm, are, I'm what are the odds to... that you jump in that lake right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to give that game a go, though. <laughs> we'll do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I'll fine. think of that while, okay. while we're uh, uh, finishing up our combo, and maybe at the end we can have a little dare. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> okay. I love that. I love that though. Three statues. Talk about confirmation. Talk about our lady's love for us. Mother. That's a mother right there. Yeah. And I think as well, um, I think one of the things that really changed my life is the total consecration to our lady. Mm. And for anybody who's listening and watching and who hasn't done it, I really just want to recommend it basically. Yeah. Because um, it will change your life. It's an absolute game changer. Which version did you do? There's lots of different ones out there. There is lots of different ones. Um, so I think I've, I've done three, actually. Okay. Yeah, so I've, I've, done, I've done the uh, St. Louis de Montfort, obviously yeah. the original. Super intense. Which is, which <laughs> is beautiful. Uh, I've done, um, there's been an adaption to make it into slightly uh, more modern um, English by a gentleman called John Prigmore, who we oh, both know. did he do one? He did one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, so John Prigmore, Google this, his name's John Pridmore. Prid- he was an East London gangster. I mean, literally, like, watched people be put in acid baths and dissolved. Um, and then... Maybe, maybe not quite that much, but he certainly <laughs> was. <laughs> no, he, he certainly did. Was. He has a story about that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, okay. he, like, he, re- he, w- he wasn't a part of it. Okay. But um, there, was, there was people that oh, wow. were involved, and he, that was one of the things that made him question a mm. lot of just stuff. But, I mean, he was, a, he was a gangster, a proper gangster, and then had this massive conversion. He's huge, like what you'd think of a gangster. Um, and now he devotes his life to spreading the love of baby Jesus. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's got videos on YouTube. You can check it out. Yeah, it's really good. Out. Anyway, so John From Pringle's Gangland written, to Promised Land. From Gangland to yeah, Promised Land. Yeah, That's his big book. From Gangland to Promised Land. But yeah. he has... So, he's so I know him. A consecration. From, from my days on the streets being a gang member. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Sorry, I find that. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was way more around, way around people putting me up against the wall. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be up against the wall go, yeah, don't mess with me. Let this be a lesson to you. Yeah. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Those three were very good friends, actually. So, yeah, he's, he's in a version as well. Uh, where he's because sometimes obviously the old English of way it's written it's tough, but then of course as well Father Michael Gately yeah has done a, has done a great version so, yeah. but whichever version you get, just get on board because there is so much grace. Literally, the miraculous medal, um, you know, you have that image of Our Lady and the hands are open, the grace yeah, is yeah. coming through. There's yep. so much grace, beautiful coming from Our Lady in this day and age. I give you one little story, one little example. My dad was doing a a, a gig, 
That's the same terminology over here, isn't it? It is exactly the same. My dad was doing <laughs> a gig and a lady came up to him and uh, and said, your son uh, met my husband last year uh, and your son gave my husband a miraculous medal. Oh, that's cool. Right. Now, I don't actually recollect the, 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 the event or anything like that, but, but she said, your, your son just came up to him and gave him a miraculous medal. She said he wasn't Catholic, he, she said, but he is now. Hmm. This year he just he had a conversion and he's now a Catholic and he comes to mass with me. Wow! So nothing to do with me. That's that's the power of our lady. Yeah. That's like he took a medal and I'm just like, all right, things are gonna be different for you, sunshine. I didn't say that out loud, you know. No, yeah, yeah, no yeah. but that that's just the power of her grace and her intercession, you know. Yeah, yeah. And because um, yeah. you know she just that's it. As a, as a loving mother, she will always be there for us. As a spiritual mm-hmm. loving mother, she will always be there for us, wanting the best for us. And all she ever wants to do is just take us to Jesus. Yeah. Like I love it when you yeah. go to a pilgrimage yeah. place because maybe there are some that kind of get a bit mixed up. Yeah. With and and uh, w- w- with all ladies' role, really, basically overemphasizing. Um, yeah, you. yeah. So maybe the, the, there are some that, that that do, but it's this kind of thing, this beautiful thing that she'll do. She'll you know, place a pilgrimage. People come out. Oh yeah, our lady appeared here. Our lady appeared here. As yeah. soon as you get there, she's like, boom, go to confession. Yeah, go to confession. That was my message. <laughs> Receive the Eucharist. Receive the Eucharist. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, but it's all about Jesus. Thank you. It's good to be here, but get yourself down to confession. It's been a while. So and that's all she does. She leads us yeah. to her son. Yeah. She doesn't conflict at all. All she wants to do is for us to know her some more intimately. Sure. And uh, her is her first disciple. She's a model disciple. Yeah. She, she brings us there. And so consecrating ourselves to the heart mm-hmm. of Jesus through our lady's heart, it will change your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's amazing. So um, you became a priest and largely to do with Mary guiding you and giving you that motherly care. Um and then you, you, so you mentioned you just did a scripture. Okay, I'm just, sorry, I'm flabbergasted that you left school at 16, yes. then were able to put up with British academia <laughs> and get through seminary, and then go on to do a scripture course in the Holy Land. Was it, did I get you right on that? God is good. God is good. Just while I was drinking that coffee, sorry, I got a bit distracted there. Sorry. <laughs> no, I am paying attention, but it reminded me on my plane because I, I do like to wear the collar. Yeah, uh, you know, because um, it just opens up, you know, ways of evangelization. So I remember one time getting on a plane. Sorry, I'm digressing, but I'll get back no, to you. Good, you're good, you're good. So I remember getting on a plane once, obviously just dressed as this. And uh, this gentleman went, ah, oh, father, if you're on board, we should be safe. And I went, mm, I won't be so certain. I might be on my way to heaven. <laughs> but but uh, what reminded me, we're doing this on the plane over. We got delayed in New York. And uh, this young lady came in and uh, sat next to us. Yeah, uh, and we had a bit of a conversation about faith. Yeah, uh, she's a bit lapsed in her faith, and um, while we we're having the conversation, she just she brought a glass of wine. So at the end of it, I paid for my meal, I paid for her wine. She said, "Oh, you can't do that, Father." I said, "Yeah, it's on Our Lady." She started doing things like that, the wedding feast in Cana in Galilee. For wine's on me, Our Lady. <laughs> sorry, but I just digress. Sorry, I yeah, love it. Digress. Okay, but just another point about Our Lady as well. The graces, you know, mm-hmm. miracles come. Yeah, for her son yeah. because she intercedes, like yeah. she did the wedding feast in Cana in Galilee. Yeah, but. Okay, scripture course, yeah. yeah. It was epic. It was epic. I loved it. Was I it, it was it like um uh, did you get a certification at the end of it? Or? Yeah, you get a certification, but I think for me, I mean, it, there was some really profound things coming up in it, it was Luke's gospel and some really profound things coming up. Yeah. Um and but as well, what kind of animated my heart and what really spoke to me was just going to those locations. Sure. Like I couldn't stay yeah. away from the Garden of Gethsemane. I loved the Garden of Gethsemane wow. when I had a chance. 
you know, and I did the most amazing jogs, the most amazing runs I've ever done in my life. Mm, there, I bet. Because, you know, I get up at six. Because the course started quite early, like half eight, whatever. So, you know, and you've got to have your breakfast for then. So I go jogging down to the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, do like a little holy type half hour, hour there, and then jog back up. My best jog out there, my best run, the day I got lost. I literally got lost. And through getting lost, I actually stumbled across the upper room. For birthplace of the church. I mean, how amazing is that to get lost and That's come across awesome. it? I need to get lost more often in my jobs. <laughs> yeah. Always teach me something. You get lost, things are going to happen. <laughs> and uh, But it was absolutely amazing because I stumbled into the upper room and I literally, I just thought, well, I'm just going to pray here for, like, yeah. for a little bit. And before I knew it, it was like an hour. And it gets to eight o'clock and all the crowds start rushing in. Da, 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 da. And I thought, well, that was beautiful. You know, I got down there at seven, went eight. I tried to go back the next week to do yeah. a similar thing. It was locked. Whoa. And there's a tar operator outside and I'm going, why is it locked? He said, it doesn't open to wait till all the crowds come. I went, no, 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 it's open early. I said, I was here a week ago and, yeah. it, and it opens. He said, no, it doesn't open early. It doesn't open at 8 o'clock. Weird. I thought, <laughs> That's amazing. So I got my own little moment in the upper Love room. It. The birthplace That's of great. the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but no, it's beautiful. And just going to all those beautiful locations and yeah. especially the, uh, the Holy Sepulchre as well, yeah. where we believe Jesus was crucified and then the tomb mm-hmm. where he rose again. And uh, just just moments of grace, really. Just just moments. To be honest, you kind of you you kind of pinching yourself. Sure. Let's go back to the mosquitoes we were talking about earlier. <laughs> <on>. yeah, <laughs> <you can't... laughs> There's no mosquitoes. That's my advice. Just pinch yourself anyway. You're in a place yeah. where mosquitoes aren't eating you, and you feel a bit left out because yeah. all your friends have got mocked. Just pinch. <laughs> no, but um, you are literally pinching yourself when you're out there because you're thinking, I am in these yeah. places where like that's where Jesus like did that healing. Yeah. In Bethsaida, that's where like you know, Jesus wasn't gone in Gethsemane, and that's you know this is where like. He did this miracle. This is where he said that, and and it's just it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Just it totally blows your mind, really. And uh, and and that was almost like my hardest thing getting my head around that. Like, whoa, I am here. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in mm-hmm. the Holy Land. And mm-hmm. just really profound thing, actually. Um, uh, a uh, Orthodox priest said this Coptic Orthodox priest talking to him one day, and uh, he was being asked by one of our group members, "What's your favorite place in the Holy Land?" And he said, "Everywhere you go in the Holy Land," he said, "is holy." It's a moment of grace because Jesus yeah. went there. Everywhere's holy, you know. Wow. So, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I've never been. I really want to go, particularly after you saying all of that kind of stuff. Um, well, but, actually, we've we've got a surprise for you. Oh, Me and the crew was wow. we've saved wow. up and actually in my pocket Thanks, here. Down we. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, okay. no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sorry. you build my heart up like that and then smash gonna, my dreams. We'll we pray for it. We'll pray for it. <laughs> you will go there one day. Okay. Yeah. I hope so. I'd love to see it. Um, just kind of wrapping up our conversation today, um, yeah. I you know, heard from you about your story and your journey kind of from showbiz and then um, feeling that call upon your heart, but then also your struggles with OCD and um, depression being kind of healed primarily through... Uh, a sacramental life um, and how Our Lady kind of guided you through that to seminary. Um, Perhaps some of our listeners uh, don't have their life set like you and I do. You know, we're both in full-time vocation, so there is a kind of set course that we're on now. Um, Do you have anything to say to speak into um, the calling that God can put on our hearts, the calling to greatness, the calling to uh, vocation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my favourite saint is Catherine of Siena, Saint Catherine, Santa Catalina, um, and uh, you know that famous line: "If you want what you're meant to be, you'll set the whole world on fire." And I think she really meant it. You know, um, 
you know what is it it only takes a single match to start a, for, a forest fire you know mm. it, you know it's we can really do so much great things really and i think that's also built as well on the power of, of our love you know um a former um pope uh, pope benedict emeritus emeritus uh talked about you know let love be your light let love be your light and when i put that together what Catherine of siena said it's almost like yeah so by our acts of love uh, when we uh, add our love with divine love uh, that really sets fire to the world really that really lights up people's lives it sets hearts on fire and that's what we want for people surely because you know as that's what that was a sign at pentecost wasn't it you know yeah of god's presence the fire in the heads really and you know the two the two apostles moroto Maeus, after they spoke to jesus didn't our hearts burn within mm. us so i really think that god's in there he's he's in there and he's, he's within it all and uh it's it's to hang on in there um i think you know i mean i still suffer a little bit of ocd but, you know, I hold on to the fa fact that God's always there and he's never going to leave me in that. And I had a prophecy once about that he will heal it one day eventually, so I hold on to that hope as well. But it also reminds us of our own weakness and our own brokenness and our own frailty that we need God. In every given situation, we need God. You know, it's not about uh, me, myself and I, the unholy trinity. Sure. It's about what God can do in us as long as we surrender and we give him that uh, capacity and ability. But one thing I know is that he does want to do amazing things with us. And he can do, you know, mm -hmm. in, in whatever situation we find ourselves, all we have to do is just kind of like listen to the call, listen to the call. Like we spoke about John Prigmore earlier on and John Prigmore tells a story about um, speaking to a young person out in America. And she was like, well, you know, just I'm not sure what to do in my life. And he just said, well, why don't you ask God? Why don't you ask God and God will reveal it? Pray, ask him, ask him and be open to how he wants to interpret. Anyway, he gets an email three months later to say that this young person had been watching this uh, TV program uh, on the television and um, it was like a hospital there was a scene in a hospital and she just felt this strong conviction she was going to be a doctor you know so as long as we're open God will guide us and he will lead us and he can use anybody and one of my favourite stories is a cartoon story uh, and you'll understand why in a few moments from now but it's one of my favourite stories because it's about uh, a servant who leaves his master's house every morning mm. and uh, he leaves his master's house every morning and he walks down a hill with two buckets and he gets to the bottom of the hill to where there's a well. Um, so where there's a well to kind of fill up the two buckets full of water. And he fills the two buckets up each day full of water and he walks back up the path, back up the hill to his master's house. And one of these days, one of these buckets speaks to him. I told you it was a cartoon story. Okay. Yeah. So one of the buckets says, throw me away. I'm useless. And the servant goes, what? And he says, well, look at me. He says, I'm full of holes. He said, I'm not like the perfect bucket. He said, you fill me up every morning in the perfect bucket. Perfect bucket remains perfect. It doesn't spill a drop. But I'm full of holes. I'm broken. So every morning when you walk up, by the time you get to Master's house, I'm half empty. I'm full of holes. I'm broken. And I keep leaking. Throw me away. Get another perfect bucket. Well, the servant says to the broken bucket, he says, I want to show you something. And he shows him either side of a path that he takes each day. <laughs> and the side of a path the perfect bucket is, is this barren wasteland. Okay, with weeds and just barren wasteland, just dry grass. But on the side of a, the path, the broken bucket leaks. It's this beautiful garden, green grass, dandelions, lilies, roses. And he says to the broken bucket, where you leak, you bring glory to a master's household. Through your brokenness, through your weakness, you bring glory to God's household. And so I would say if God can use someone as broken as weak with me, as me to help make his kingdom come, God can use anybody. But if we are what we're meant to be, then we will set the world on fire. Thank you, Father. That was beautiful.